Hey there! I'm really glad that you've come to check out the KZMC Weekly Teaching. My name is Ryan Yancey and I'm the lead pastor. KZMC gathers together for worship every Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. in person. You can also join us by our live stream available on YouTube. If you're from the area and you're not already connected to a church, we'd love to have you come join us. You can find the full details at kzmc.ca. It's my hope and it's my prayer that God will speak to you through this teaching. May you have a marvelous day. You may, uh, you may know, you probably picked up along the way, that our, our family really enjoys going on vacation together. I just love the, the couple weeks to travel, explore, get out into the, into the bush. Um, yeah, just get away, family time. That's something that we really look forward to. And, and uh, so we like to go on road trips. We like to go somewhere different, see something different. And there's usually, we start out on our vacation with an idea in mind of where we want to get to, the great things we want to see. Last year, a real highlight was Bathtub Island. Has anyone ever heard of Bathtub Island up in Lake Superior Provincial Park? Anyone ever been there? It's just off, just off the coast there in Lake Superior, and you, you wade out maybe 100 meters or so, and then the, the rocks kind of rise up into this island, this dome, and then on that dome, there's a lower section, and the waves wash over the rock from the lake, and then they pool in this area. But because it's shallow, it, uh, and the water just kind of sits there, uh, it warms up. And so it becomes just a little bit like a, a bathtub, hence the name Bathtub Island. And it was just a great place to, we hung out for, for a good long while. I think we went back a couple times. And yeah, the kids say, oh yeah, we love Bathtub Island. That was, that was great. That was so much fun. And... Uh, so this is a highlight that we were looking forward to. One moment. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I'm out of sync from preaching off a... One, next week. My iPad's gone to an entirely different format. <laughs> next week, too. They only slow us down. They don't really... There we go. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Sorry. All right. <laughs> um, so we, we head out with this idea, this destination in mind, this great place that we're going to get to. But when we leave our driveway, it requires a journey to get there. And it's not always an easy journey. It's long hours in the car, and inevitably, some grumbling and complaining emerges along the way. If you've ever been on a road trip with kids, you know that the grumbling and complaining emerges, and then it doesn't take long until it's actually dad who's doing just as much grumbling and complaining along the way. Does, Lukey, does dad do some grumbling and complaining along the way? <laughs> yeah, you get the, are we there yet? You get the, I have to go pee. You get the, what's for lunch? Yeah, can we have snacks? And then eventually dad just gets to a point, he's like, all right, everybody, if you can be quiet for an hour, we'll stop at McDonald's and get some ice cream. And usually that's fairly good incentive. But as they get older, I think I'm going to have to up the incentive. I don't know. Anyway, it's a long journey, and it's not easy. But it's, there's something about the journey also, not just the destination of where we want to get to, but that journey of hardship in the hot back seat where you can hardly move for hours on end that forms us, that shapes character in us. We don't just go on these road trips for what we see at the end. We go for the ways that it shapes us as people. And that's why dad's like, no, you can't have an iPad on a road trip. Look out the window. <laughs> 
That's why we say, you know what, we're not going to stop and get big awesome meals every time. We pack the lunch and here's some sweaty cheese for you because it forms character. You walk into some of these, some of these gas station bathrooms and they're definitely character shaping moments where you learn how to grind through, suck it up, so on and so forth. Now, perhaps this is a silly example, but I think the truth rings that it's through the journey that we are shaped and that we are formed. And we can decide. It makes a much more pleasant journey when dad doesn't get grumpy and complain. It makes a much more pleasant journey when the kids suck it up and aren't squabbling in the back seat. It makes it much more enjoyable for all of us. And if we embrace that adventure and look and see, how can we be formed as people? And this actually is a metaphor for the Christian life, the journey, the shaping on the journey. And, and today we're looking at the story of, of Israel as they, they came out of Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea, this incredible moment of deliverance, and now they're on the journey and it's less than ideal. And they're grumbling and they're complaining. Now, do you ever wonder, why was it that God didn't just save them right into the promised land? Maybe it's because here's where Egypt was and the promised land was over here. And so they had to walk through it. But I don't know, like why couldn't God, when he designed the geographic features, like why couldn't he just, when he created everything, made the promised land on the other side of the Jordan River? I don't know if that's worth thinking about or not. But do you ever wonder why, why did they have to go through this journey in the wilderness? Now, now they didn't do real great because... They disobeyed God, they resisted God, and God's like, all right, well, you're going to do 40 more years in the wilderness because I have a lot more refining to do in you. They could have got there a lot quicker in the, in the period of uh, several months, actually. They could have got to the promised land. They ended up there for 40 years. But why does God have them go through this experience? Why is the desert or the wilderness a common metaphor in Scripture? John the Baptist comes out of the desert. Jesus enters into the desert after his high point of enthusiasm. Why does God lead them through the desert? And as we ask that question, what does the desert look like in our own lives? Do you ever wonder, like, hey, I got saved. So two weeks ago, we talked about salvation stories, right? We, and a bunch of you sent me your salvation stories in your breakout rooms on Zoom. You shared salvation stories celebrating the freeing work that God has done in us. But do you ever stop and be like, well, okay, so God set me free. And everyone talks about being with Jesus and it's this life of like joy and peace and happiness. And like, man, there's a lot of days I don't feel that awesome. Do you ever wonder like, why do I still suck at this Christian life? I've been walking this for 30 years, for 10 years, for four years, and I'm still not exactly hitting it out of the park. Why is this so hard? Why am I going through these challenging circumstances? God said he was going to save me. Why is it not all peaches and cream ever since? Because he has to still prepare our hearts, our minds, and bodies, and souls for the way we need to honor God. That's right. Distractions. Yeah, God is doing a significant work in us, in leading us through that wilderness. So you've heard me rep, uh, refer to Daniel Strickland, Danielle Strickland, and a book that she has about the Exodus journey. And one of the things she says, she says, it took about a year for God to get the Israelites out of Egypt. It took about a year. But it took 40 years for God to get Egypt out of the Israelites. You think about that? It took about a year. So with all the plagues, the confronting Pharaoh, all of that, it took about a year to get Israel out of Egypt. And it took about 40 years 
to get Egypt out of Israel. What, what does that mean? Well, what was Egypt about? Egypt was about power and control, self-sufficiency, building up this empire apart from the one true God. And they did it resisting the people. The people, as they worked as, as slaves in that empire, it's quite possible that they just put their heads down and they were, they were grinding it out and we can do this. We can get at this. All of the values of Egypt had become ingrained in the people. The values of the kingdom of this world is ingrained in us because we grow up in this setting. The selfishness, the pride, the arrogance. And so we, like Israel, we enter into this journey of many, many years of God transforming us, of God shaping this people. He'd said to Israel, you are my chosen people. I'm going to bless all the nations through you. They weren't ready to do that yet. And so he had to take them through these experiences to form them to be his people that could be a blessing to all nations. So I'm, I'm going to turn to Exodus chapter 16. If you have your Bibles, if you've got it on your phones, turn to Exodus chapter 16. We're going to start at verse 1 and look at the, uh, the story of the grumbling and complaining. Exodus 16 and 17, this this word grumbling comes up over and over and over again. When I think of grumbling, I think of kids in the backseat of the van on a road trip. And I was exactly the same when I was a kid. So that's not throwing any shade at my kids. Same as your kids. Same as when I was a kid. Grumbling. The whole Israelite community set out from Elam. And they came to the desert of, of Sin which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month after they came out of Egypt. That's interesting. Remember, this is 45 days after they came out of Egypt. 45 days. That's a month and a half. That was like May 1st-ish. 45 days after they saw this incredible miracle of the waters parting, walking across, being free from their captors. They see in an act of God's judgment, the Egyptian army swallowing them up. They're singing, they're dancing, they're pumped. Like this is the event of their lifetime. This is the event that's repeated over and over and over again in the scriptures. 45 days later, this happened. In the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt, there we sat around pots of meat and we ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into this desert to starve this entire assembly to death. (laughs) <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> They've seen this incredible miracle. 45 days later, they're looking at Moses' Aaron and be like, you brought us out here to starve and die. Do they really think that God would have done that incredible miracle? That incredible show of power that he was greater than the whole empire of Egypt? Like he goes to all these great lengths and is like, oh yeah, now you're going to die in the desert. Do they really think that was going to happen? But that's what they say. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. The people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. In this way, I will test them and I will see whether they will follow my instructions. On the sixth day, they are to prepare what they bring in. And that is to be twice as much as they gather on the other days. So Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, in the evening, you will know that it was the Lord who brought you out of Egypt. And in the morning, you will see the glory of the Lord because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we that you should grumble against us? Moses also said, you will know that it was the Lord when he gives you meat to eat in the evening and all the bread that you want in the morning. 
because he has heard your grumbling against him. Who are we? You are not grumbling against us, but you are grumbling against the Lord. Then Moses told Aaron, Say to the entire Israelite community, Come before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. While Aaron was speaking to the whole Israelite community, they looked toward the desert, and there was the glory of the Lord appearing in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of Israel. Tell them, at twilight you will eat meat, in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. Now, I I give Israel a hard time for grumbling 45 days later. But really, I mean, we're all a bunch of grumblers when it comes to our walk with God. And often, I think we're blind to the great things He does around us, and we just kind of move on. And God, where are you? And He's like, well, I just gave this to you. I just showed you this. I just spoke to you over here. God, where are you? And we grumble and complain in much the same ways. What I love to see in this text, though, is that when they grumble and complain, God doesn't just do away with them. He doesn't just scold them. It says in the text, it says on in Hebrews that God was angry with them. But he still extends his mercy and he, he provides for them through quail, through meat, and then through manna in the morning to sustain them. God is gracious in the midst of our grumbling. So it is on the family road trip. Mom and dad, it might drive you nuts that you're might drive you nuts that the kids are grumbling along the road trip, but when you get there, you, have a, you set up your tent, you go out for ice cream, you go for a paddle, it's all forgotten. You provide and you love. And that's how God interacts with us. As God leads us through the desert, as you experience the hardship of life, we see here God's character. He will provide for you. God will not leave you hanging. He will not leave you out to dry. God will graciously provide for you. And so he's weeding out this independence. He's weeding out this idea that we're not valuable. The sense, maybe they had a sense that because they'd have been under the thumb of the Egyptian empire, the Pharaoh, maybe they started to actually even think that God was like that. We're under the thumb of God. He's not going to provide. Pharaoh didn't provide for us. God isn't going to provide for us. Maybe that's the way that they kind of took on the values of the empire. And God had to weed that out of them. He had to transform them to be his people of blessing. So what does the wilderness look like for us? And along with that, what does grumbling look like for us? What does a wilderness look like, this journey that God leads us through in the Christian life? Wouldn't wouldn't it be nice if we got saved and we actually were just like the perfect picture of peace and joy? You know, that'll come with the new heavens and the new earth. We all have our stories of what the wilderness looked like, maybe, actually probably for all of us, this past year and a half has felt like a horrible wilderness. But we have lots of other life circumstances as well. And so we ask the question, will we grumble and complain? Will we resist what God is doing? Will we get frustrated and then maybe have to walk through the wilderness for 40 years? Or will we have open hearts allowing God to shape us? Allowing God to shift our allegiances, to shift our values to the the kingdom of Jesus? And so I bring that question to you this morning. Will you grumble? Or you, will you receive God's work in your heart? Danielle Strickland talks about the desert, the desert experience as a spiritual boot camp 
to prepare God's people to represent him in the world, a spiritual boot camp. What if we look like this last year and a half has been hard? It's been frustrating. What if we looked at it as this was actually a time of spiritual boot camp to shape us and to prepare us? That doesn't mean that the reason why there was no water in the desert is because God orchestrated it that way. The world is broken. It doesn't have the fullness of flourishing that it once did. It doesn't mean that God sent this this COVID-19 experience to shape us. But he uses it, he directs it in our lives to prepare us, to bring us to the end of ourselves. To teach us what it means to persevere, to forbear with one another in love. It's been harder to love one another than just about ever in this past year on a broad societal scale. It's been hard, but God is shaping us. He's preparing us. He's doing good things. Will we stand back in bitterness? Will we grumble? Will we complain? And, oh, God, why? God, did you see what this or that? Or will we have open hearts and say, God, yeah, I want to be your agent of reconciliation in the world. I want to be your person of love and peace. So I've got an open heart. I want to hear what you're saying. I want you to mold me. I'm going to go through the grinder. Has anybody ever done like a fitness boot camp before? I've not. I shouldn't. It, yeah, I see a, yeah. It's probably pretty hard. And, and if, if it's the way it's supposed to be, there's days where you're just, you're rather sick of your instructor. Just leave me alone. Go away. And yet we pay the money to go, but there's days where it's just like, oh, this is the worst, right? Because that's how we get formed in new ways. God wants to lead you through this wilderness experience. Have an open heart. Be receptive to what God's saying. And remember, he's going to provide for you every step of the way. God is good. So I'll, I'll leave you with that. Well, I'll give you one more quote from Danielle Strickland here. She says, we can spend a whole lifetime wandering around in a wilderness. You could choose that. Wandering around just grumbling and complaining. And yeah, we've been saved out of Egypt. We've been saved out of sin. We're going to go to heaven someday. But we got our heads down and we're just kind of grumbling away or we're not receiving what God has for us. So we can, Danielle Strickland says, we can spend a whole lifetime wandering around in a wilderness, pathetically unhappy in our faith, questioning God and making little places to settle. We can miss the incredibly deeper experiences of emptying. That's a part of the desert experience. God is emptying us, bringing us to the end of ourselves. The devil wants to get us to follow Jesus, but in a worldly way. I'd maybe tweak that. I don't know if the devil wants us to follow Jesus at all, but if we're going to, he wants us to do it in a worldly way. Leave Egypt, yes, but bring all of Egypt's values and systems with you. He's like, you know what? If you're going to place your faith in Jesus, you're going to get saved. All right, go for it, but still just look like the rest of the world. Have the same values. Be a Christian, yes, but live like everyone else. The devil tries to keep us full of ourselves. And this is problematic because it's when we empty ourselves that God begins something new in us. So will we allow God to empty us of those values, to take us through the ring or through the wilderness experience to make us new so that we can be his agents of goodness in the world? It's been a hard year. And actually, when I was working on this, it was actually just this morning when I was kind of praying through this, and I thought, you know what, this actually does apply to the situation that we are emerging from in terms of COVID. And we're, we're foolish if we think, you know what, I got through it, put my head down, all right, we're good to go. We're a bunch of fools if we're not actually opening our hearts and saying, God, how have you been forming me? Whatever your perspective on things has been, 
God has been wanting to form you through this experience and form you going forward. We're a bunch of fools if we don't ask him that question. And so whether it's COVID stuff in mind or just life in general, I ask you those questions. What is the, the wilderness, what is the desert experience that God is leading you through? So I'll give you a moment to reflect on that. What is the desert experience that God has been leading you through? And then the second question, how is God inviting you to respond? How is God wanting to shape you? We can move forward grumbling and complaining, kicking and screaming, walking in circles. Or we can allow God to shape us. I've shared this story with you before. It was a year and a half ago where I was feeling things in my heart that I did not like. I was, I was responding to situations that I was just like, ah, oh, God, what is wrong with me? Like, I just, I just saw some bitterness in my heart. And it's like, what is wrong with me? This is not great. And it, it hurt to see that. So you've heard me say this, I think most of you. Um, it hurt to see that. And I was like, God, like, oh, this isn't good. This isn't right. Like, please heal me of this. Like, fix me. And why, why would God not honor a prayer to bring healing in my life? But God was like, nope. Nope, not going to do it. And he led me on this journey over a number of months of over the last year, year and a half, of significant addressing underlying issues in my life that needed to be addressed. It's still a work in progress, but there's been some healing and some significant core underlying places of identity. And this has been a wilderness experience that God has led me through. And if he'd have just said, if I'd have prayed that prayer, he's like, all right, here you go. Here's a ton of joy and peace. You're ready to go. I would have missed out on that. If he'd have led Israel straight into the promised land, they'd have missed out on that. And it wasn't what I wanted to hear. Like, I very clearly, in terms of praying and journaling, like, I sense God saying, no, I'm going to let you sit in this pain for a while. That is not what I was looking for. But it's what I needed. It's what I needed. What does that look like for you. We want we pray for God's healing. But actually what we need is an openness to God leading us through that wilderness experience and a hungry heart to be formed in new ways in that space. Let's have a, a word of word of prayer here. God, we thank you for the wilderness. We thank you that you never leave us. We thank you that you are full of grace that you provide for us. And, and so, Holy Spirit, I pray for each one here, each one listening online, I pray that you would speak to us and, and show us what that wilderness looks like and just give us lots of wisdom. God, help us not to be foolish. Help us not to be foolish and to keep trusting in ourselves. Help us to trust in you. Help us to lean into you. Help us to embrace the pain. This is a journey that we cannot figure out ourselves. We need you to guide us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for the forgiveness of sins, and this journey that you keep guiding us on day after day after day. And we open ourselves up to you and say, we want to work, walk in humility with you. Form us to be your people for your glory, for your work in the world. We pray this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.